All right, you know what that sound means. I am Mitch Maley with the Bradenton Times podcast, and I have a great guest in here with me today. And we are about to unleash some very big news on the Bradenton art scene. My guest is Janet Rain. How did I screw that up? I've known your father forever. Janet Rains. It was almost like I was going to say Janet Reno. Um, <laughs> Not quite, but close. Janet Rains, who is the daughter of local radio legend Henry Rains of the Morning Edge. And she has just started Bradenton's very first ever professional theater company called the Sunshine State Theater Company. And we are looking for big things. Thanks for joining us, Janet. Oh, thanks for having me. Having me. What an intro. And yeah, I am. I feel like, like you mentioned on stuff, like being a local legend and stuff, I feel like the pressure's on. And like, sure. I feel it. But I also, we talked earlier, I'm like, my dad's background, I feel like I was just set up for this. This is how it <laughs> This is. or the circus, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, so I'm so excited to just like dive in and chat with you about this. So tell us a little bit first about your background in theater. How'd you get involved with it? Sure. So honestly, you know, you can thank my dad for this. I think I was born to be an entertainer. Uh, for those of you, not only was my dad a radio show host, but in the early 90s, he was a pro wrestler and then yes. producer of local Promoter, pro wrestling. Yeah. And so I grew up, like my dad, my parents switched off because my mom worked and stuff and everybody worked. So when my mom was working, my dad would have me and that would be the day that he'd be at the wrestling ring. And so <laughs> like, I grew up just watching some of like the greatest like entertainment ever which is pro wrestling like if you don't know how to put on a show you cannot be a pro wrestler so like I feel like I just had that born in me so my dad would bring me around to the rings and I've been jumping off the top ropes like <laughs> putting on a show since I was four um, I've always kind of just loved the entertainment world and naturally I was driven uh, to theater I was blessed to be able to go to Broadway like when I was a kid and stuff and being able to go in the summers and see these Broadway shows like Annie and Beauty and the Beast and stuff and it just gave me this excitement for the stage but really like the audience like I love that feeling of an entire like 500 people 10 people just being together in that moment so basically I've always loved it uh, went to college for it I went jumped around I started off for our locals around here at MCC or MJC or SCF <laughs> depending on what you're when familiar you yeah when you went what decade around but I started off at State College of Florida I was lucky enough to meet my business partner Jalik Scott or as people know him um, locally he is Part of a co-founding team with me with the Sunshine State Theater. I'm the executive director and Jalex is the artistic director. But we met there. We met in acting class. And from that first day, it was like he and I were meant to be acting soulmates. Um, I continued my theater degree. I jumped around a little bit, which I'm really thankful for. I took advantage of the transfer system, went to Drew University, graduated from Southeastern University uh, with an emphasis in directing. So I got my theater arts degree jumped around into the film circuit around here afterwards. I was a first AD for commercials and short films uh, when that was really booming in the Tampa Bay area a few years ago. And then I transitioned back into the theater world. I worked at the Oslo, I worked at Urbanite, and then I really went into corporate marketing. And I was like, I see what theater can do, what local theater can do, but how do I make a lot of money? And so <laughs> I went to Feld Entertainment and I ended up being a content creator for well, Feld Entertainment, Disney on Ice, Sesame Street Live. And from there, I really learned, I'm like, okay, this is a mom and pop, quote unquote, business that is in charge of Ringling Brothers, you know, these legacy brands. And so I learned at that level how to build something big 
or how to how you can, how something can start off small and become a legacy. And so this idea of having a theater company has always been in the back of my mind, like I think forever really. Um, but with Jalex, it's just a perfect partnership. He is someone I've never met a more creative person. He is someone that when you catch him, he is reading a play. He is writing a play. It, locally, you might know him. He won the latest, I think, or maybe the second latest, Sarasota Players Playwriting Competition, The mm -hmm. Mantle. Um, he won that. That will be produced in this, not this season, this upcoming season there. And then I directed that, and I directed his previous became in second place, uh, Joshi, when it was there. He's also a major actor around the area and stuff. If anyone has ever seen the play in one of the community's theaters, you have seen Jalex on stage. Um, so he is one of the most creative people. And so together and stuff, I, we make a really fantastic duo. Um, we came together and just felt like, you know what, Manatee County, there's, it's born in our blood around here, this art scenes that you're talking about, like just being like around so much art and exposed to it. What we needed, what we felt like was missing was this opportunity to create storytellers, not just actors. And that's really where the dream came alive. And it's a long story short, or not short story long, or whatever this is. But yeah, that's a little bit of the background of Sunshine State. It's been in the making from for a while now. Now, it's a rather ambitious undertaking when you look at uh, yeah. theater as a, I don't say it's a dying art, um, it's certainly one that as a big fan I always have concerns about because yeah. the audiences are always older than you'd like to yeah. see and there's a question of, of how do we replace it how do we get more young people exposed to the theater so from elevating from community theater to professional. starting professional theater in yeah. a community that hasn't had it um, what do you think what are some of the keys in order to engage the public well, I think, you know, the the dying art thing is theater dying. I've been hearing that forever. And I think in a lot of ways, some sometimes theater is dying in some cities and stuff. I think we've seen that. You can't deny that. But I think what people have not or what the theater community has been lacking in some areas is they're not meeting people where they're at. You know, we consume entertainment and culture so much differently than we mm -hmm. did even just 10, 20 years ago. Like, even when I'm seeing a great play, and I just saw a great one-act play a couple of weeks ago, you know, an hour in, I was like, I'd really like to put my feet up. I'd like a blanket. I would like a drink right now. Like, I want to be comfy. And that doesn't mean that art has to suffer just because people want to be more comfortable watching it. So I think the theater community, and I think what Jalex and I are going to be doing, is creating that comfort that people want at an elevated level. And that's the goal at least. And so thankfully we've been able to do that so far. We have really ambitious and exciting partners. Oscura Live is gonna be our first performance venue. We're gonna be opening almost main January 6th, 7th and 8th of this upcoming new year, 2023. And Oscura Live, if you haven't been to it, I know you have. No, actually I have not. You haven't been to the new location. I have not been to the new one, oh and I, but I keep hearing what a great performance space it is. And I know they've been booking great music, comedy and all kinds of stuff that they've brought to that central corridor that certainly could have used yeah, you know, we're entertainment their, type venues. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna be their first play, which is really Excellent. exciting. And they, yeah, they're an amazing venue. And that venue is not your typical. You're not gonna have like, you know, your thrust theater. You're not gonna be able to just sit row by row. We're gonna bring in those coffee house chairs. They're already there. We're gonna be adding bean bags. We're gonna be adding a little bit more comfort level because I mean, why not, you know? Like, why not have a drink that Oscar is gonna be having? Hello, they had the best food and drinks in town. But <laughs> they're gonna be able to pride that. You'll have this 
at-home experience with something that only happens in theater is that like that magical audience moment like you can have great content but i think you know that's why theater is always going to survive in some way that's one of the things that i one of the reasons why i always want to expose people to it because and it still blows my mind how many people have never been to a professional play. Yeah. And, you know, or maybe they saw one musical on Broadway and they're a little or something like that. Yeah. But the idea of what you get, I've been so fortunate as a, as a critic to be able to see hundreds of local plays over the last you know, two decades. Yeah. And there's, there literally is nothing like it. Like, yeah. like you're, I tell people all the time, it's like, okay, yes, you have limitations compared to like, you know, CGI and sure. big budget stuff and locations and everything. But, you're in the room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially with small venues like this, you are literally like a voyeur inside of the drama that you're at. And because you don't have the ability to paper it over with, you know, special effects and CGI and all these different things, you actually have to do storytelling in a more compelling way, which is why I think theater storytelling is a superior way of doing it. And we've been doing this Almost since we were cavemen. Yes, and women. literally. You know I mean? Like this is literally. like the first art form. Even now, like you know, I think people forget that. But like to what you're saying, like you know, we saturate ourselves with like the biggest TVs imaginable, mm-hmm. right? Like we create this movie theater experience in our own home so that we can feel like we're a part of something. But you can get that in theater, yes. and it's almost it's palpable. You like it's a different feeling, and I think we've always wanted that. Like you know, I think you know when you see that in religion, good storytellers, mm-hmm. good speakers good communicators like the motivators of our times like the Tony Tony Robbins and stuff like that is a mixture of theater and they've adapted to the way that they're t- storytelling theater is art but the art of theater is storytelling so how you tell stories that is changing with our times or elevating and stuff we just have to meet the audience where they want to meet their stories at now I've seen a, I've seen an interesting trend and I've wondered if you've noticed this um I've seen a number of plays that have been set back just a little bit. And they usually, they all have this device where they use a flip phone to show you that it's only, or they make a reference to September 11th happening recently or something. Yes. Because the dress and everything is indifferent. Um, and it's almost like they're trying to get the phone out of the story because the phone yes, device is ruining like stories. Yeah, or like you're like somehow mentioning while you're not using a phone right, in the right, story. Right. Like like theater has oh, to explain. There's no, yeah, there's no. Yeah, like that. I there's think no that, signal anywhere. Yeah, like suddenly, like you know, conveniently, like yes, right. almost main is an almost main. So maybe there's not like cell phones, but like. Yeah, I feel like some storytellers and in theater worlds, like we're afraid to admit that we're in the present. Like we, like this is some like we're dating ourselves with doing this by like being afraid to use technology in a way that the way that we're using it. You Which know? is interesting because then the current uh, production at Urbanite is told completely through text messages, yeah. and it was phenomenally funny. And you get this totally different sort of uh, unique way of, hey, how do I incorporate that? And I was like, oh, okay, that's much more interesting. Um, But tell us a little bit about Almost Maine. It's a very popular production. It is a very popular production. It's by John Cariani. And so this play is actually one of the most produced plays in the country, which... You know, from one standpoint, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be an interesting way to tell a popular story. But Almost Maine is set in Almost Maine. It's a um, a town in Maine that never got around to incorporating. So they're just almost. And on this particular night, actually, it just happens to be in this play. We're setting it in the time period as far as like January when the Northern Lights show. 
But the whole setting is that at this time period, you're going to see nine scenes happen at the same time when the northern lights go over the sky. And so these are kind of very like magical realism stories. You get to just believe in what love is and what it can be for a moment in time. Um, my favorite story that Almost Me has, and I'm not giving anything too much away here, is that this girl shows up on this guy's yard, and she's like, hey, and he's like, hey, you're in my yard. And it, she's like, thanks, I know. And he's like, cool, you, you're going to stay here? And she's like, yeah, thanks. I just need to see the northern lights. And he's like, okay, in my yard? Like, this, this is the place you're going to see it. And she's like, yeah, this is the perfect place. Thanks. And he's like, okay, but, like, why? And she goes and tells the story of how the legend, uh, and this is actually, like, an ancient Mayan legend, that the Northern Lights are actually the souls of the recently departed. And so she needs to say goodbye, and she's on a mission, and she needs to do that. And she's carrying around this, like, bag with her, and she won't let it go. And you, you realize that she's, like, holding on to this. And she real tells everyone that, oh, this is her heart. Her heart is broken because she needs to say goodbye to this person. And the guy that she's talking to on the yard, like, he starts putting together in, like, this heart. And as she's saying goodbye to her husband, she looks down, and he has put together her heart again. And he's like, I'm a repairman. <laughs> and, and like, you know, it's just like that whimsicalness right. where you're like, okay, I can buy it, you know, like, yeah. I'll, I'll believe it for a moment. And so it just reminds you and like all these little stories, you know, not all of them are happy stories of love, but the re the reminders of why you keep fighting for love. I think that like, even like the sad, like breakup stories of love, they're still also like, I don't know, they fuel you also to finding the right love. And so almost main that's a little bit about Almost Maine and what you'll experience when you see it in the first weekend of January. Excellent. How was the casting? Um, tell me a little bit about the strength of the theater yes. scene around Oh, my goodness. So, you know, I love the casting process. It's my favorite thing. Even when I was acting and stuff, I love to get competitive. I'm like, yes, who's out here? I'll take <laughs> you down. Like, the diva comes out in me. And for real, I was so excited to see who came out. So... I originally, and the playwright even suggests, it's been, you can, while all of these particular scenes and the story is, you know, love is timeless. There are some stories that, you know, you're meant for 20 something year old, you got young right. love, 30 year olds, that kind of stuff, but some things are timeless. And so I originally had put out the notice I was going to be 18 to 40 year olds. And this local actor, local um, pro, I should say, Joseph Smith, he reached out to me. He's in his late sixties and he's like, I really want to audition. And I, he's like, I know you say 18 to 40, but like, I know this show, like, I promise you, like, if you let me come out, like I'll, I'll do something. And I was like, I'm not going to stop anybody. You know, like, I know what I, like I put out what we want, but whatever. And so he came and blew me away. Like, I know this story. I've been in this story, like directed this, blah, blah, blah. No, I've, I've it, seen like, him before before. He's right. very, very good. Incredible. Yeah. And so I won't, tell anyone that's familiar with the scene like the show like what he's doing because it will give it all away but he blew me away and I was like okay I'm eating my words so <laughs> we cast Joseph Smith we also cast Lynn Doyle who is also a local legend more in the Venice scene um and she with unfortunately with the Venice community theater and the hurricane damage their season's out but uh, fortunately for us, Lynn Doyle has been available. So she oh, is with us. We also cast Michael Longobardi. She is, if you're familiar for anyone that's been watching SCF theater recently, she in Ireland, I'm going to mess up Ireland's name. I want to make sure I get her right. La Violetta. <laughs> like, these two women, uh, young ladies came out and are incredible. Michael has been 
uh, recently acting more in the local circuit. Ireland is just now getting out and like refreshing herself after COVID and stuff. So these women are absolutely incredible. And so we got a really strong cast. We also have Kelly Leisler. He is a musical theater favorite around here. And so he also never does straight play acting unless he really, really loves it. So we're super excited that we have him cast. And we also have another new actor that's coming out from, he just moved from Chicago. And so I won't give his name away yet, but we have some very, very strong cast that came out. Excellent. And you said the dates were in January? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to be performing January 6th, 7th, and 8th. Excellent. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I Friday, Saturday, Sa Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And of course, it's going to be a Sunday matinee because yeah. why not? I mean, Sunday matinee and brunch with theater, why not? Right. Some mimosas, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one of the things that, that I've actually gained a great appreciation for recently with theater is the idea of, and I'm one of those people I have a beautiful home theater that everybody tells me it feels like being in a movie theater. And, uh, but I also noticed how spoiled I am in that I pause so often. Yeah. And I was thinking about this just the other night. I was watching a film and I think I paused like three times. I went to get a drink. I went to get something to eat. I went to do something else. Oh and uh, I'm like, I'm breaking the flow of the filmmaker's vision here. And this is the one thing that's probably not the same as going to the theater. And I need to be more disciplined about that. And I actually thought about that last time I was sitting in uh, Urbanite most recently. And I thought how nice it is that I'm locked down for the next two hours, that I don't have a cell phone signal, that I don't have anything that can interrupt me for it. And I can completely get lost in this manufactured reality of someone's storytelling. And that is the one thing I think that I love most about theater is this sort of like willing willingness that the audience has to have of, okay, I'm turning myself over to you. You can have my mind and my attention yeah. for the next two hours. Tell me a story. It's a new form of like trust, like not being able to, to touch your phone yeah. and stuff. And like, it is a little bit more magical. Like I think because of that, like what you're saying and stuff too, it's like, I am that person and I've thought about it myself. Like I get up all the time when I am watching mm -hmm. a show. I pause it all the time. And I've even been thinking about like, okay, how does that work in Almost Maine if I'm an audience member? And what if we have people who aren't as disciplined as right. us? Like in that, to be honest, we have to think about, I think as theater makers, we keep pretending that where there's going to be enough like thespian lovers that like and that are disciplined enough and know these rules and make it like that it's going to survive but if we don't make it accessible mm -hmm. we can't survive and so i've thought about that too where i'm wondering if there's something like as a theater you know in between the scenes in between you know when in the blues as we call on stage and stuff do we allow like is that when you check your phone now is that allowed to be i've wondered that as well but it is with, with what you're saying, when you take that moment, when you trust like that, and it is, it's like, you know, within like a few moments, whether it's going to be good or not, like, you know, around here within three minutes of like, you're going to enjoy your time or not watching a theater performance and stuff. It is a little bit more trust, but I think that like elevates the magic of it. Yeah. Even if I don't love a play though, like I've gotten to appreciate how much more valuable that experience seems because there's so few times when I can be completely engaged in just one thing. Yeah, it's one of the only things. Yeah. I mean, even like you don't do that at concerts anymore. We mm -hmm. always have our phones out. I mean, even in movie theaters, I think 
people-ish. I think I'm seeing it more and more. I don't know about you, but like people kind of taking out oh their phone God. for a second. Oh my God, I'm seeing it know? all the time. Yeah, like, you know. So what? distracting. I see these, like, especially if yeah. you have a seat, it's up kind of high. Yeah, like and you that see old, a bunch of lights hitting Yeah, your like we always used to kind of have that discipline for movie theaters and that's starting to disappear. And so like, yeah, I feel like it's, it is a little bit one of the only places one of the only places where it, it you can't have your phone out because you are forced to be human. You're forced to be a caveman and go mm -hmm. back to basics and just decide whether or not you like the story being told or not. I don't take my phone in. Like uh, I went to see I went to see this really cool thing uh, up in Tampa a couple weeks ago. Um, I love the band The Grateful Dead, and uh, there was this one night only showing in a movie theater of a previously unreleased 1972 concert from Denmark. Ooh, that sounds and cool. you just got to go to the theater and watch this concert and never took my phone in and just sat back in a nice recliner and for the next two hours was completely immersed in this one thing. And it was like, God, I again, if I was at my home, I would have paused 10 different times, but it was like, I'm almost seeking out these opportunities to yeah. do that because they're so rare anymore. And I think that we need them. I think they're very integral to who we are as humans. Yeah. And I and also I get very wary about like, am I losing my attention span? Yeah, 100% we're losing our attention spans. I feel it. And I mm -hmm. think that's one of the things that's almost a practice discipline now to be able to go and be able to have these moments and stuff. But that's why it's so important to create these moments. We need people to remember. We need people to disconnect. Because if you don't, like... You, you do. I think it's, it's one of those things that it's the only way that we can connect. You know, we have this massive political divide. You know, I, we don't need to tell our audience how freaking crazy it is here around in Manatee County and Sarasota County. It's so politicized. But when you're in the room with other people and you are all captivated in one moment together, yes. you guys can't escape each other. And like, it, it's different. It allows you to start like looking at other people and, and you start feeling more together, community yeah. based. And like, while we're not community theater, theater is community. And I really want to bring that community back into Bradenton. I mean, we're the friendly city and I, it hasn't been felt as friendly. I mean, especially with the traffic, y'all, I see you. <laughs> like, but it, you know, I want to be able to be part of that. We need to be, build that legacy. Bradenton is friendly. And so you need to be able to feel that community element that we are all building this together, that you're a part of this legacy. You're a part of the storytelling by being a part of the audience now. Like it's an investment of time yeah. and it's more of a commitment. You know, have you been to a show yet? I've been to a couple uh, music shows and comedy shows recently where they use that lock bag. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that. Love it. So I, you, you go in, for those of you guys who have never been to one, you go in and at the gate, um, they have these like, you know, little pouches and you put, they're like made of neoprene. You put your phone into it, they lock it. And then on your way out, they unlock it and your phone comes back out. And you get to then enjoy the performance with one, the artist knows that you're not, you know, recording it. And, you know, particularly in comedy, that's, yeah. that's important because they're going to eventually put it on Showtime or Netflix and they don't want it out on YouTube a year before that. Um, but same with music, you know, that it, but it's, it's also one of those things where we've been like conditioned into thinking like if something's cool is happening, break out your phone and video it. And it's yeah. like, first of all, like you're never going to capture it 
in the way that it's happening. There'll be some great high quality content yeah. available on YouTube of that performance or one just like it. Yeah. Share that later. Like you don't have to take that and put it on your Facebook. But the point also is that then, then you see that when you're not doing that, that community thing that you talked about happens. Like uh, I was at one of these shows once and um, where, where the phones were locked up and I don't even remember the band. I just remember that there was this remarkable drum solo at the end of this one song. And it was just one of these, like, you know, once in a lifetime, like where you hear something where yeah. you're almost looking at everyone else, like we're in this, like, this right, is a moment. you guys see this, right? Yeah, like this like, is, this is as cool as I think it is. Right. Yeah. We're bearing witness to something. And I love the, the term Emil Durkheim, the philosopher called it collective effervescence. Yeah. When a group of people can experience something together mm. And the collective experience actually elevates the thing itself. Yes. And that, that's, you know, I remember looking around and the first thing that struck me is because our phones are in these bags, nobody was holding their phone up recording. Yes. It. Everybody was just looking at each other and the artist and we were all engaged in this experience together. Yeah. And I was like, God, this used to happen a lot. And now it yeah. seems like the rarest of the rare, but good God, is it wonderful. Yeah, I, you know, I was just thinking that where I'm like, it is rare. It is those moments that you're talking about where I'm like, yeah, that it, it is like feel like bearing witness something to like, this is what the creator was thinking when he was thinking about creation. Like this is fucking yes. like storytelling. Like, I, think, I think theater has, I guess my point is I think theater has the potential to do that more than any other art form. It's the only one right now. And like, to be honest, it's like, yes, theater, like I'm saying, like we have to be company. We have to meet people where it's at, but that doesn't mean that we lose sight of the goal. Like the goal is that moment every single time. And if you're not going for that goal every single time as a theater maker, I don't know what you're doing. Like, I mean, personally and stuff like this, like, stories there's so many rich stories that like we need as a community to have like collective moments like that we are so disenfranchised from each other and i'm so tired of feeling like i can't go to my neighbor when that's not true i can we are 95 percent more likely to have things in common than we're not i feel yeah. like a lot of the times and we forget that and the only way that theater can do that like theater it, that's our job right now and a lot of times like I think we've taken on the role and I, I love really edgy theater. I love doing that too. And like, there are things that need to be thought provoking and there are stories that need to be told, but also we don't need to shove things down people's mm -hmm. throats right yeah, now. Subtlety is such an important art in theater, I, I feel. And it's, and it's, again, it lends itself well to it in that sometimes the best way to get a point across isn't to loudly broadcast it with a messaging based, you know, yeah. piece of work, but, to instead sort of bury it in the everyday story we could all relate to. Right. And I think if it does anything, it helps us remember, oh, I know somebody like that. Yeah. So even if I disagree with that person's perspective, they are familiar to me. They're my cousin, they're my sibling, yeah. they're my parent, they're my neighbor, they're my friend from high school. Uh, and I think because we don't have enough engagement anymore. In fact, uh, I was talking to some friends recently and we're talking about the success of podcasting. And ironically, we're talking about this on a <laughs> podcast, but the the reality is on, on some level, it almost makes me sad because I think the popularity of podcasting has often come from replacing more community mm -hmm. and more conversation that instead now takes place in these social media vacuums yeah. where it's like, I'm gonna shout my opinion loud and I'm gonna shout mine louder and then it's gonna get really vitrolic where we don't have as much 
engagement. So it's almost like these things come to replace that. They give us that sustenance and our conversations that we used to have with five friends sitting around a fire have now become more likely to be, we're listening in almost voyeuristically on someone else's conversation and imagining that we're in it. And again, that could be an important surrogate for something that's missing, but community, uh, only comes when we're together. And again, theater is one of those ways where you get a whole bunch of different people with different backgrounds into a room and you tell them a story that speaks to the human condition and the human experience. And one of the most satisfying things it does is it sort of reassures us that, oh, we're we're all going through the same thing. Yeah, we're all in this together. And again, and I think it comes from that subtlety that you're talking about. Like everybody, I know I think maybe, and I say everybody, but like maybe 99%, everybody we have a like, love like we've all had our heart broken we've all felt that or wanted that like wanted that that moment that love that everything that's talking about and that's why i love almost made because when you feel that collective moments when we're all in this like oh you've been through that type of breakup oh you had that (laughs) moment too girl like okay it's like yeah it reminds you that we're in this together and stuff and we need that more than ever more more than ever and i mean i i think that the thing that I'm really excited also with this venue location being at Oscura Live for our first show is one of the amazing things that Oscura has done is really, you know, it's, I feel old saying this, but they got the young people, you know, like, yes, they like yes. you know, they have Gen Z right now. They have the 20 something year olds, the 30 something year olds and in Manatee County, that's a big freaking deal. Huge, yes. That's a big, yes. very <laughs> difficult to get a collective youthful audience or assembled anywhere about to go. Like, yeah. period. And so the fact that that venue location is going to have a little bit of a draw to the younger, like it's a little bit more friendly. They know it. That vibe, like the people that go to Oscura like the vibe that go there. And I know that the theater people that love theater are going to come here and it's going to be like some 67-year-olds chilling with some 20-year-olds. And like, and I'm just really excited to see what happens from that because I think we've all gotten used, especially with 2020 and just the pandemic mm-hmm. and just like we've talked about, like, okay, boomer, like, let's right. see how we're all really in this together. Let's, cause that I think is the other thing that as theater makers and part of the audience around here is that we have not done a better job of creating other audience members and like you said like we know it's great and so I'll bring people to it and they're always shocked and like a couple people on our one of the actually one of my best friends who's on the board of directors who Greg Burgess who's one of the creative directors down at Voo Church in Miami he only knows good theater and like he despises at this point like what he's you know quote unquote is bad theater but things where he doesn't where he wants to pull out his phone and what he's realized, like, he didn't even know theater. He never went to performance until me. Like, he actually never did, like, did theater until I, I cast him in a show. And he was like, okay, what is this? And, like, he was a broadcast major. And from there, he's talked about, like, that moment was everything. Mm. Like, having that collective where we spent, like, and almost made the, the, the scene I talked about. He was that farmer where he had to, like, put together, like, this heart. And, like, he'd only been, like, this, you know, funny actor. And it's more of a serious scene. And he talked about... That moment when we had like, I think it was maybe 40 class members, you know, like people heard about it and was like, oh, Greg's at, you know, we're acting. And I still think about that moment of people gasping, like, yes. where, and he talks about that and how that fundamentally changed him as a storyteller. 
And so he only likes to go to things where he knows that it's going to encourage other people to, to like theater and stuff. And so he's so excited for people to see Sunshine State Theater because we're going to be producing that. But that's also the goal is reminding people that magic exists. It exists on the stage. Like right now, together, you can be a part of magic. Just going to go down the street to go go to the theater show. Like yes. Go to a play and you're going to experience magic. Like how cool is that? I uh, To the point where like when I travel – that's the first thing I look. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, what kind of inventive theater can I find? I was in Philadelphia right before the pandemic in 2019, uh, just for a weekend, and a little bit of Googling, and I find oh, they're having an August Wilson retrospective at yeah. this small little oh theater. I'm going to two shows. <laughs> yeah, and like that's the thing. I think people, they probably don't know that mm -hmm. there's incredible talent outside of Broadway. And yes. you know, like, incredible. And especially, you know, we're here spoiled with mm -hmm. the Oslo and Irvinite and West yeah, Coast Black yeah. Theater and where it's like we have Broadway actors that are just like, yo, getting cast in Florida in January, February, sign me up, right, you know? Right. So we have this incredible talent. Oh, yeah. We, I've said like, many times that we probably per capita yeah, have the best theater scene. Yeah, and 100%. And like, and we're just adding to it now yeah. with Sunshine. And But there is, there's so much talent and it's not just happening in New York. Like Brendan and I, I think we mentioned, like we have this weird connection where he started a theater company in Baltimore and I was one of the, I was supposed to be one of the director's apprentices there. And like, we had just missed pass. Like Baltimore was so cool for the theater scene. My favorite theater scene is Kansas City. What the, like Kansas City, Missouri? Like, yeah, that has the, like some of the best theater I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. But people are like, yeah, I think that's part of it too, is getting people, especially the younger crowd, to buy in yeah. that like, there's a really incredible talent locally. And you get, the, the big advantage you get over Broadway is, well, one, the cost, but then two, yeah. the accessibility and that instead of being the giant theater house far from the stage, yeah. you're often in these small, intimate spaces where I, I mean, I can't say enough, the magic of theater, and that's that's why you can't really scale it up as big yeah. as some of those larger houses and Broadway do, because it takes away the moment. Yeah, theater's the written magic. differently yeah. because you don't have cameras, and you have to have the subtlety. You don't have the um, uh, the effects, the music. Yes, you know, yes. like there's not so as you much need distraction. That, yes, yeah. you need that intimacy, and you need the actors to be able to subtly communicate things, and it's very hard to scale that out. Yeah, like film needs the extra theatricality, like those extra effects to create what theater does right. in the norm, you right. know? Like, I, even when we were just talking, I'm like, you know, yeah, there's been, like, those collective moments-ish in film, but I think it's a lot harder to create mm -hmm. when you can, can't can escape it, when yes. you, the actor literally might be touching you accidentally, right. you know? And, like, again, like, what you're talking about with the Broadway houses, like, it's great. Some performances, yeah, you can be in a thousand-seat theater and you can enjoy the performance, but storytelling and, like, the way it survived is the intimacy. Like being able to be like, oh, I like remember that joke and how he told it. Like we felt that, like that we were there for that. Being able, like those inside jokes and like, yeah. I mean, how I, I think we both can go on about the magic of theater and stuff, but that's what that that is. And being able to have that magic and stuff for is, is so important. I think it's what makes us feel alive. You know, I think mm -hmm. that makes us feel human, connected to something bigger. So will Oscura be a recurring venue or is still working that out? We're still working that out. Okay. So the main thing with like theater space and also now living in one of like the hottest real estate markets mm. ever um, is things cost money. Yeah. And so for those who 
don't know about us, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Sunshine State Theater. And we are having a fundraiser. We'll be wrapping up our fundraiser, but you'll still be able to start contributing and donating to us by the time you listen to this podcast. But one of the things that we're doing is Oscura is graciously working with us and giving us a three-day performance space. Around here, there is not a lot of venues around here that, one, have the availability to have multiple performances or just period that or be able to can like hope uh, how oh my god house us or have the lighting mm-hmm. and structure for that so right now our goal is like oscura is going to be our first location our first two seasons we're going to be a found space theater we're going to go where the story tells us like almost main it's a great story to tell at oscura our mm-hmm. next show which we'll be announcing next week or week before we'll be announcing soon uh our next season play it's not going to be on oscura because the location isn't right so for the next two seasons people can expect the, when they see a play from us, it's going to be in a different location. But soon on the works, we have our eye on something big. All right. Well, where can they go to participate in supporting your a fundraiser right now? Yeah. So right now, if you want to go to our Facebook or our Instagram, that is the best way to stay up to date with all of our information until we get a live website. But that is has all of our information. We will, you will have a link there to our Kickstarter fundraising page where you can donate. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram for all of our updates so that you don't miss anything. And this is really important because you guys weren't incorporated long enough to participate in the giving challenge, right? Yeah, so there's some technicalities that we weren't aware of. And so to participate in the giving challenge, you have to have a giving partner profile. But to have a giving partner profile, you have to have either six months established programming or a 501c3. A 501c3 takes six to eight eight months to process. Mm -hmm. We're in the processing mode. And so we also don't have six months of establishment because we're in the six month establishment phase. So unfortunately we haven't been able to get an exception. We did try. And so we aren't able to participate in the two biggest national fundraising campaigns that happen for nonprofits over the next six months, which is a real bummer. So it's really important for the community to come out and invest and say that like, yes, we want magic. We want magic here. We want more magic here. So it means the world to us just being able to have like $1. We've had some people come out and already say like, hey, we're going to pledge this amount and be able to cover your rights. But really, like we're just able to bare bones put this together. So any contribution is investing in the art scene in Bradenton. Excellent. So if you are a theater fan and you like our reviews in the BradentonTimes.com and you want to support local theater happening, one, you can do it by getting out and going to the shows, but another great way is to help them get off the ground. And a reminder, January 6th, 7th, and 8th, the Sunshine State Theater Company will be putting on its debut production, Almost Maine. I know I will definitely be there. I'm very, very, very much looking forward to it. And I hope I see some of you guys out there as well. For Janet Rains, I am Mitch Maley, and this has been the Bradenton Times Podcast. Join us Sunday at thebradentontimes.com. Fact-based news and analysis without an agenda.